Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, The Holy City of God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that we will not put our heads down in disdain of your word, always thinking how to oppose the word. Help us, O Lord, to hear your word and believe in your word. We read in your word of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. O God, your government is a government that gives us rest, gives us hope, gives us peace. Therefore, O God, help us to embrace Jesus Christ, your King, our Lord. Help us from this scripture to understand your grand plan for your people whom you have ordained for eternal salvation. And we are here, O God, because we are your people. May we come to understand and glory in your salvation. Open our minds, O God, as you opened the minds of the disciples on their way to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we speak about uh, that we are a Bible-believing church, which we are. We are also a church that believes in the authority, the infallibility, the inerrancy of the Scripture. When the Bible speaks, we believe God himself speaks. When the apostle speaks, God speaks. When the prophet speaks, God speaks. When the pastor explains the word of God, you hear God speaking. So not only we believe in the authority of the scripture, but this is also a church that is interested in interpreting the scripture intelligently to discover the intent of the author to discover the intent of the author, our God. So, it calls for serious study. We don't open the Bible to tell you nonsense. We are not interested in sensationalism. We study hard. We want to know what the scripture is saying. We study in its original language. We study history. We study everything else to find out what the scripture is saying. If it is the word of God, we want to know how to interpret it correctly. So that's what we do. See, not only we believe in the authority of the scripture, we also believe in the intelligent interpretation of the meaning that is given in the text for us. All this for the purpose that once we understand the mind of God, we want to submit to it, we want to obey the word of God because of the increase of his government and peace, there is no end. So the more we come to embrace God's government, the more we experience God's peace, his shalom. Isaiah 4, 2 through 6, speaking about the holy city of God. Now, when we speak about city, we are not speaking about the infrastructure and the buildings. We are speaking about people. Just like when we speak about church, we are not speaking about steeple. We are speaking about people. So, 
the holy city of God. In this passage, we are given a, a grand and glorious picture of God's people. A grand and glorious picture of us. So Isaiah 4 speaks of every true believer in Jesus Christ. It speaks of the future of Mount Zion, the city of the living God. It speaks of the city that Abraham was looking for, a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 11. There we get an idea that Abraham was not looking for merely a physical country or a physical city. He was looking for an everlasting city. He was looking, in other words, for the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Mount Zion, to which all true believers already have come to worship the true and living God. Now, I know it is difficult for you to understand. I'm assuming that you understand the Bible. So sometimes it's difficult to grasp. We take for granted that you are students of scriptures. So this passage speaks of a city where God's holy people dwell with God. In complete security. They all are cleansed of their moral filth by God himself. For who can cleanse himself of his moral guilt? So we read that the people are cleansed of their filth. They are purified And we see them as glorified. They are purified by another. Say, we find ourselves dead in trespasses and sins. Loaded down with the heavy weight of guilt. Our conscience is defiled. So we are purified by another. They are also glorified by Another. So the question is, who is this person who cleanses us from our moral filth and beautifies us? He is introduced here in verse 2 as the branch of the Lord. In that day, take a look at that. In that day means in the eschatological future time. In that day, future as far as Isaiah was concerned, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beauty, glory, and so on for the survivors. That's how in the Hebrew text. So who is this person called branch? And we said previously that it is a technical term in the scriptures To refer to the Messiah, divine human Messiah. He is introduced here as the branch of the Lord. And who is the branch of the Lord? He is the divine human Messiah, the son of David. Isaiah sees him coming in the future. He is beauty. He is Glory, he is excellence, he is splendor. Isaiah sees the days of the Messiah's incarnation, in other words. Isaiah wrote in the 8th century BC. And so he is seeing still in the future uh, the, the days of the Messiah, the incarnation. You want to know who is this Messiah? Well, Isaiah 9 speaks This way. For to us a child is born. 
to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Oh, so this one is is a child, is a son, and yet he is Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So it is endless reign of the Son of David, God, man, the Messiah. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So he is the Davidic king, at the same time God. Who is this branch of the Lord that we read in verse 2? Who is this Messiah? He is the one the virgin will give birth. He is the Emmanuel, God with us. He is the shoot that will come from Jesse's dump, Isaiah 11. He is the branch from Jesse's roots that will finally bring forth fruit. Because no man has brought fruit that is acceptable to God. He is called my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, Isaiah 42. Now, he is the suffering servant of God, who would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, by whose wounds we will be healed, we will be cleansed of all our moral filth. Zechariah speaks of him, again as the branch, and he describes him in chapter 6 as the priest king. He is the priest and he is also the king. This Messiah, we are told in verse 2 of Isaiah 4, is beauty, is glory, his splendor, his excellence for us. His glory for us. See the connection. We have no glory. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And here comes the branch, the Messiah, the God-man, David the King. He comes with all glory. But he is also the one who will impart to us worthless, rebellious, sinful, unclean people. He will impart glory. That's the picture. Turn to uh, the book of John, the 17th chapter, in verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Notice that. So God sent his son, the glorious one, the one who is beauty, that he may impart to us glory and beauty in his salvation. Now, who are his people? We want to know who he has a people. There's no question about it. It has been all worked out in God's eternal counsel. And he knows who they are. He cannot add or subtract from that number of people. Who are his people? They are here described as escapees, survivors, remnant, those who are left. Those who survived divine judgment. They survived divine judgment against sin. They are those who are left in Zion. They are the remnant. That tells us the vast majority are not saved. A few are saved. They are escapees, survivors, remnant, those who are left. Now turn with me uh, to receive the perspective of St. Paul in the book of Romans chapter 11 and verse 5. So too at the present time 
There is a remnant chosen by grace. So this is the remnant. They are chosen people of God. Chosen by human merit. God looked upon people and saw how nice they are, how accomplishing they are. How many of them have received a Nobel Prize? And how many of them have received merit? <laughs> Chosen by what? Grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. Well, we go further to define grace. Grace is the favor given to those who merited hell. So then this, these survivors, these escapees, these remnants, these who are left, who survived the judgment of God. No, 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 no. Don't think that. And there are people who wear their uh, t-shirt saying, I survived. No, no. <laughs> no, this survival came about through divine mercy. They are those who are written, we are told, lechayim, for eternal life. They are written for eternal life. Now the question is, who wrote? Apparently they are people who are recorded in a book. And we spoke about God's book of life. You see, some people think when you come forward, when you cry, when you receive Christ, God will turn a page and write your name, that this one is received eternal life. No, 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 no. It's all taken care of. It's all taken care of. There is a book in which all people who are to be saved, their names are what? Written down. So that's what. In other words, this is something that happened prior to your weeping and crying and repenting and coming and trusting in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Some people like it. Some people don't like it. But it doesn't matter, you see. It's, it's simply the truth. <laughs> well, I'm glad that my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the creation of the world and before I was ever born and before I ever came to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to a couple of scriptures uh, that speaks about this, the existence of this book of life. Uh, Luke chapter 10. If you trust in Jesus Christ, then you can work backward and say, well, my name has been what? Written in the book of life. And if God has written your name in the book of life, you will what? Trust in Jesus Christ. You will repent of your sins. And you will do so authentically by saving faith. Uh, Luke uh, 10 and verse 20. Jesus Christ discloses this truth to the disciples. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written where? In heaven. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. All right, let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 13, and verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Let me tell you, all people are worshippers. Either, either you worship the beast, <laughs> or you worship the triune God, that's all the difference. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb. This book of life, it is the book of life. It is kept in heaven. It belongs to Jesus Christ that was slain from the creation of the world. All right. Uh, 
Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. What is going to happen to every person who uh, will not trust in Jesus Christ. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, these are the survivors, the escapees. These are people who are left to survive the judgment of God. And these are the people whose moral filth has been completely cleansed by, by this Messiah. And now we know that these are also the people whose names are written for eternal life. You see, the Jewish people celebrate uh, by saying, Lechayim. Say they drink uh, for life. Well, they have no understanding of what this is. Actually, that phrase appears here, Lechayim, and here it means what life? Eternal life. Eternal life. Who are his people? Let me tell you, they are guilty sinners. They are full of moral filth, but the Messiah would cleanse them of all moral filth. That's called justification. By his own blood shed in their behalf, which we will be told later on in the book of Isaiah. Now let's look at this moral filth. Uh, The book of Proverbs Uh, speaks about it, and it may be applicable to you, uh, who may be sitting there or here in front, it doesn't matter. Uh, There are people who declare themselves to be morally clean of all filth. I have uh, seen them. They they make self-declaration. I was told uh, by one of you that... uh, your brother-in-law felt that he was not a Christian, but his wife right away said, Don, you are a Christian. This is what people do. Self-declaration, self-attestation. There is only one person who can self-attest. Who is that? God. God alone self-attest. He cannot ask somebody else to attest him. Uh, so, uh, look at uh, Proverbs 30 and verse 12. There are those who are pure in what? Their own eyes. They cleanse themselves, you see, by uh, mental gymnastics. Self-declaration. Oh, I'm a nice person. (laughs) I'm all right. I'm a Christian, you know. Yes. I'm born a Christian, really. And if that didn't do it, I was baptized, you know. I'm a Christian. No, there are those who are pure in their own eyes, and yet, God says, are not cleansed of their moral filth. Who is able to cleanse us of our moral filth? The branch, the Messiah, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Uh, Who are his people? Notice, they are now a holy people. And in the Hebrew text, it says, Holy shall be called each of them. Holy. See, the Messiah comes and he makes you holy and then calls you what? Holy. See, I believe that's what happened to you, every one of us. God calls us what? Holy. Why? He made us holy. And we are given an idea of how he makes us holy, even in chapter 6 of Isaiah. Remember that he was filled with guilt, and he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among, among people who are unclean. I'm sinful. And God said, fine. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, 
See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is the application of the redemption the Messiah accomplished. There is no other way to take away the guilt and to atone for our sins. And so, who are his people? They are now a holy people. By divine action, God planned our salvation. Christ accomplished our salvation on the cross. And the Holy Spirit now applies that salvation to each and everyone whose name has been written in the book of life. As the gospel is being preached, people come, trust in him, and they are cleansed. And they become part of this holy city. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> who can bring any charge against God's elected? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ Jesus who died. Yea, that he was raised from the dead. He is at the right hand of God. He is also making intercession for us. The Messiah purifies his people and glorifies his people. And let me tell you a secret. What Isaiah saw is now being fulfilled. And the fulfillment began in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The day of Messiah has come. The Virgin Mary gave birth to a Messiah. What's his name? His name is what? Jesus. In the city of Bethlehem, a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. A Savior for all people. He is the Son of God, the Son of David. He is Emmanuel, a suffering servant. He died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. And is seated on the right hand of God the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. If you are not trusting in him, you should have some trembling. If you are trusting, you rejoice. But he is Lord of lords and King of kings. By virtue of his redemptive work, his people are being purified and glorified. Everyone who is recorded for eternal life is being saved every day. And every one of his people will repent and believe on Jesus Christ. Every single one. He he didn't come to make salvation possible. He came to save you. And he will save you. He is powerful to save us. That's why we believe in the irresistible grace. In other words, he is quite able to take care of our opposition to him. And subdue us. And bring us to a place and disposition that we would with great joy believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That our moral filth may be cleansed and may, may we be declared holy. <laughs> and be part of this great city. Turn with me to the book of Acts. St. Paul made this profound statement. I believe in Pisidian Antioch. We were there. There is... There are, I don't know, 16 Antiochs, <laughs> one person built. The most famous was Syrian Antioch, but there was another Pisidian Antioch, and we were there uh, some time ago. Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. And St. Paul preached in that place. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. Son, you are supposed to what? Come on now. Come on now. What is it? Honor. honor. How do you honor the word of the Lord? By believing in the word of the Lord. If you don't believe, you despise the word of the Lord. And you despise the Lord. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. All who were appointed for eternal life believed. <laughs> And this is how and this is why you and I have come to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. We are the survivors. We are the escapists. We are the remnant. 
we are those who are whose names are written for eternal life god calls each one of us holy god calls you what holy god calls you saint separated ones separated from our filth <laughs> separated from satan separated from death separated from hell separated to jesus christ we are god's people we are holy we are cleansed by the blood of christ we are justified forever what prevented our fellowshipping with god what is the answer it was our guilt all right now now we are cleansed of our guilt we the book of hebrews speaks about a good conscience sprinkled clean by the blood of jesus christ so now we can what approach god for fellowship now we are holy therefore the text says god would dwell with us as he did during the exodus when god's presence protected his people god's presence guided his people god's presence communed with his people remember exodus chapter 13 and 14 and exodus 40 verse 34 you can read it in the days of old god's presence was in the holy of holies and access to him was limited to one man once a year now isaiah is seeing a future where there is no temple there is no limitation that every person who dwells in the city will see god will commune with god will be guided by god will be protected by god isn't that wonderful let's praise god all limitation is gone and remember what jesus christ said in matthew 18 if two or three are gathered together in my name there i am in the midst isaiah saw the day when every child of god everyone who is holy everyone who is cleansed of the guilt of his sin would be blessed by god's presence presence of protection presence of guidance and presence of communion let me read it to you from verse 5 and 6 then the lord will create over all mount zion you see the moral problem is now dealt with therefore and over those who assemble there actually over all the assemblies there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night over all the glory will be a canopy it will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain it is all a lot of words there but let me tell you what it is god is going to dwell with his people and we are going to dwell with him in complete security complete protection and complete communion that's what it is speaking about not just the holy of holies where god's presence is but over all of mount zion and over all the assemblies of his holy people once again there is going to be a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud in the last day god will create he says see interesting hebrew word the word that is used in genesis 1:1 in the beginning god created every time that word create appears bara god is the subject of it no one else can create god creates god will create in that eschatological future day will god will create this situation this covering of the cloud and of fire this covering of glory this covering of salvation this covering of protection this covering of security he will create for his people there was the old creation now god creates a new creation he creates a new people of god with whom he dwells over whom he creates his protective cover let's turn to second corinthians 5 and verse 17 let's find out what this creation is all about second corinthians 5:17 and it says therefore if anyone is in christ 
He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And this is from God. Or look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says this. For we are God's workmanship. That's a new creation. Poem in Greek. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or let's look at Isaiah 65. Where again Isaiah predicts this new creation. Isaiah 65 beginning with verse 17. Behold I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. God creates a city. God creates a people who will be a delight for God. See, God's ultimate purpose is not to destroy but to save. And God has saved. And we are his people. New creation. Let's praise it. We are a new creation. Over which there is this great covering he is speaking about. We are a new creation. That God delights in. Think about that. God is so glad that we came together to worship him. I mean we are all excited. We sing and we worship God and At least some of us are very happy. We don't want to go home. We want to sing more. And we want to hear the word of God more. And all that. (laughs) But think about God's delight in us. This is what he is talking about. Finally the problem is taken care of. The sin is taken away by the Messiah's work. We are purified and we are glorified. The result is God himself dwells with us. And we with God. This is eternal life. This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is it. He creates salvation for his people. He creates a shelter for us. A shelter that protects us from all harm. That's the meaning of the term heat as well as rain. It is all harm. Isn't that wonderful? Complete salvation. Nothing will harm us. Outside of this shelter is death and destruction. Inside safety and festivities. Think about it whether you are outside or or inside. Think about it. Turn with me to the book of uh, uh, Psalms 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, notice, in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what it is. Finally, people have come to dwell with God, and God has come to dwell with the new people of God. The fear is gone, the anxiety is gone, the pain is gone. Turn with me to Psalm 121, and let me read to you from verse 5 on Psalm 121. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. You remember the shade of Jonah. I don't know what happened to it. It dried up. (laughs) Remember a little plant? This is not like that. Hallelujah. He is our everlasting shade. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day. Nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. Both now and forevermore. You see that's what I get. That's what you get. That's what everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ would get. What about you? Are you outside or inside? Or... Let me read from the book of Romans. Let me read it to you. Which I, the whole chapter I memorized. Because it is a chapter on the assurance of salvation. Romans 8 from verse 35 on. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? <laughs> As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. Hallelujah. Saved people are now dwelling with God and God is dwelling with us. We are inside the shelter. Are you? I am inside. Are you inside? I would like you to be inside. I am inside the ark. Are you inside the ark? I would like you to be inside the ark. Because I think outside has a lot of problem. We were at Mount Ararat and where the ark came and rested. But I am inside the ark. It doesn't matter what happens, let them, let there be storm and rain and flood. <laughs> Nothing is going to come inside. Hallelujah. Are you inside or are you outside? We are inside the shelter. The canopy of God's own creation. There is a canopy. In Hebrew it is called kufa. It is called a bridal pavilion. This is going to be the pavilion. That's the word that is used here in terms of shelter. It's a pavilion. Yes, there's a lot of safety and security and all that. But more than that, something greater than that is what? Not only we are safe from all dangers, there in that shelter we enjoy sweet communion with our bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. This is what Isaiah is seeing. The people of God dwelling with God in eternal bliss. Even now, all saints of God in a measure enjoy this salvation and divine presence. Let me prove it to you. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 12. Beginning with verse 22. Even now. See, we are living in the eschatological days. Christ has come. He has accomplished redemption. And his redemption is applied to people all over the world every day by the Holy Spirit. Assemblies are all over the place. And they are coming together to worship God. But here, Hebrew writer tells us the real meaning of our coming together. Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion. In other words, true believers have come not to a physical Mount Sinai or to a physical Mount Zion. The holy people of God who trusted in the Messiah have come by faith where? To Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Which is what Abraham was looking forward to. We have already come by faith when we come together. Number one. Number two, we have come to thousands and thousands of angels. Do you see that by faith? When we come together to worship, we are coming together to thousands and thousands of holy angels. Not to worship the angels, we are told in this book, chapter 1, that they are ministering spirits to us. See the dignity that God has given us. We have angels. Who are ministering to us. We have come. Also we are told we have come to. The church of the firstborn. Whose names are written in heaven. When we are coming together. Especially to worship. We are coming together with all the people of God. In heaven and what? On earth. It's an amazing understanding. We need to keep that in mind. And I preached for the funeral of my mother. I said, we are now worshipping together with her. On earth, she is in heaven. This is the whole worship. We have come to worship together with all the people of God who name, whose names are written. And Lechaim for life. 
Church of the firstborn. We are firstborn ones. Because we are united to the firstborn who is Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are heirs and joined heirs with Christ. And number four, we have come to God, the judge of all men. But we have no problem. God is the righteous judge. And we come to God, the judge, because he has justified us. Who will bring anything to God's elect? It is God who justifies us. And he justified us. He declared us to be righteous forever. <laughs> is that, that's why we are not afraid. We can draw near to him by the blood of Christ to the th- throne of grace. Uh, therefore, now there is what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Number, number five. We are also coming to, as we worship, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. That has reference to all people who have died in faith, whose spirits are now in heaven. When we come together to worship, we are also coming together with them in worship. Have you ever thought, thought about that? You just thought you just came here and you just went and that's it. <laughs> Oh no, what a, what a blessing it is. Let's move on. Not only that, we come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Well, don't forget Jesus Christ. It is by whom we are able to come to God, the judge of all. It is by his blood we are saved and washed and justified. And not only that, number seven, we have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks better word than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel say? It was speaking something. Revenge. 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 That's what the blood of Abel was speaking for. But praise God we have the blood of Jesus Christ. What is blood of Jesus Christ speaking? It is forgiveness. 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 And by that blood, our consciences are sprinkled clean. Now we can approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. Praise you, O God. So already, we are the holy city of God. Already, our filth is taken away. We are justified. We are pronounced as holy. Our names are written in the book of life. We are God's people. How do we know? God himself has come to dwell with us. You know, when you look at you, you look, you see your wife, you see your brother, you see the one you, that you cannot get along with. It's what you see. <laughs> but you have to see more than that. Who is there? God himself is with us. Oh, what blessing it is. Let me tell you something. The biggest secret about this city, the holy city, the final, final fulfillment is still awaiting. And it's going to take place on his second coming. And the glory and beauty of the Messiah will be the glory and beauty of his people. We'll be like him. His glory will be revealed in us. And the creation itself will be delivered from all frustration to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Then the city of God will sparkle In all glory. The bride of Christ will be radiant. Without stain. Wrinkle. Or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. Think about this great plan of God. The book of Hebrews tells us in verse chapter 13 verse 14. We are still looking for that glorious city. In a sense, we are there. In another sense, we are not there. But let me read it to you. What is awaiting for every person who trusted in Jesus Christ. Every person who is justified. Every person who is called holy. Every person whose name has been written in the book of life. And here is a picture. The last book in the Bible, 21st chapter of Revelation. John is seeing again in a vision... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. What is it? The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God 
prepared us a bride. Oh, it's not just infrastructure, it's people. Prepared us a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loved voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And further, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Listen, come, John, come on. I will show you what? The bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me what? The holy city. So bride is the holy city. Now look at the holy city. Jerusalem coming down with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. Like a jasper. Clear as crystal. Speaking about you. What God is planning for you. Everyone will sparkle. With splendor from within, outward. Oh, I was in this tour and there was a, an old person who had plastic surgery every place. Hopeless, miserable wretches, walking death, trying to make themselves beautiful. But I have somebody else doing the job. And we are going to be glorious. What a day that will be. That's my destiny. That's your destiny. What about you? Are you outside? Are you inside? And if you are outside, we earnestly beseech you. The Messiah has come. He has accomplished redemption. And this Jesus Christ says, come. All those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you what? Rest of the increase of his government. And what? Peace, shalom. There is no end. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Help us, O Lord, to trust in you. What a glorious plan you have for us. Truly, it is a plan to prosper us. Prosper us, O God. Glorify your people that we may dwell with you forever and ever and ever. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.